1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560 The Answer
0: Top of the morning Dan and Amy today if I could do it I would do it What's that? For all four hours, we mourn the passing of the legendary Coach K, Bobby Knight, the real Coach K. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six D A turnkey dot pro text on Bobby Knight, uh, last of the Mohicans in terms of uh, coaching, leading in America. I-, I know he had his moments. Uh, yeah, I know he's going
2: to throw a chair.
0: Well, that that's not that's a fine moment. I it love didn't bother, that. that. Didn't bother crazy. me at all. No, that doesn't you bother have me thrown at all. Throwing
2: it harder, Dan, and more of them.
0: Bobby Knight, Gene at Purdue. That era Katie. of basketball, that era of coaching. Uh, I would include Duck Coach, our coach, Ditka. That. that that era is gone, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey 5600 turnkey.pro, answer line six four six three six top type in da then a quick comment yeah I I don't know any coaches that have any similar coaching styles like that that would even be allowed in this day and age
0: no not of course that's that's exactly the point and you know for for every intemperate uh, comment or uh, in some circles cringeworthy moment that he had in public. There's so much more to Bobby. I mean, if you ever read Season on the Brink, which was not exactly a hagiography, but um, he, he just did things, uh, He the, the good things he did, uh, so many of the good things he did were out of the public's view because he wasn't uh, trying to be a social media influencer right. and make sure everybody do uh, the things he did. He just did things for, uh, well, players like Landon Turner. Out of the public view. I mean, I, I always when I heard the stories of, of Bobby Knight and Ted Williams fly fishing, I'm like, that is Xanadu for me. If I could just really? sit on the shore uh, while they're out fly fishing and listen to that conversation. Classic Bobby Knight here. The speech he gave uh, talking about uh, coaching the 1984 Olympic team the dream team uh, with, you know, one Michael Jordan yeah, thank you. And, and company. Um, and uh, and how, and the, the lesson here is um, on leadership and one attribute that leaders have to, you know, one of the attributes that leaders have to have. Take a listen.
3: But you, I think have got to really be a flexible leader if you're going to be an effective leader. I walked into the locker room After the first half of our game with Spain in 1984 for the gold medal, we're ahead by 29 points. We've played basketball as well as the game can be played. Michael Jordan has played 12 minutes out of the 20. He has 11 rebounds, 9 assists, and 19 points in 12 minutes. In my opinion, there's nobody that's ever played anything that can compare to Michael Jordan with the possible exception of Jack Nicklaus and Babe Ruth. Michael Jordan is just the best there ever was at what he does by a considerable margin. So I'm walking across the floor with his 29-point lead as I look at the scoreboard, and I'm a great believer in the best three minutes of the game for us has got to be the first three minutes of the second half. But what the hell am I going to say? Hey, we've got to get better. We're 29 points ahead. We've got to win by 59. These kids are going to be a little bit satisfied with themselves. They know how well they play. And when I get to the locker room, I still haven't come up with an answer. I open the door, and the first guy I see is Jordan sitting in front of his locker. Idea light flies. I say to myself, I'm going to get on Jordan's ass a little bit. (laughs) And everybody else is going to say, God, if he's upset with Jordan, how's he feel about me? Twelve minutes, nineteen points, eleven rebounds, nine assists, and I have the stat sheet in my hand, and I walk over in front of Jordan and I look down at him and I say, Mike, when the hell are you going to set a screen? We got four guys out there screening when you're in the game, screening to get you open, screening to get each other open. Haven't seen you set a screen yet. The only way I get all five guys screening, Mike, is to get you the hell out of the game. Now, when are you going to set a screen? All you've been doing so far, God is rebounding, passing, and scoring. You need to screen, Mike. (laughs) Now, Jordan, you've all seen the grin. I mean, it's the greatest grin in the world. Doesn't quite use all of his grin in this circumstance. But he looks up at me and he grins a little bit and he says, Coach, didn't I see last week where you said I was the quickest player you'd ever been around? And I said, Mike, what the hell has that got to do with you screening? Coach, I think I'm setting them quicker than you can see them out there. <laughs> well... I was flexible enough to look at Jordan and say, then God, slow him down a little bit so I can see him.
0: Uh, just the best. And, you know, just talking about um, uh, the end of an era with the passing of, of Bobby Knight. Remember when he got fired from, you know, oh, yeah. uh, by Miles branded oh. Indiana?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you remember what happened? What was the impetus for his firing?
2: Somebody, some uh, player complained that he was being rude to him or treating him poorly. I do believe, but I could be wrong.
0: So Miles Brand, the president of the university at the time, instituted the zero tolerance policy. And Knight has this run in with a freshman named Ken Harvey. That's. Who said, saw saw Coach Knight on campus and said, what's up, Knight? Knight uh Bobby Knight didn't take kindly to being referred to by his last name and he was alleged to have grabbed the teenager by oh, the arm crazy. I I looked at him and I said son my name isn't Knight for you it's Mr Knight or Coach Knight that's what he said at a press conference uh, during that controversy and uh, he said he Knight denied that he ever grabbed his arm. And Mike Davis, who's the assistant coach at the time, later became the head coach at in Indiana, uh, also said the idea that Knight grabbed him was ridiculous, it was not true. Yeah. But, but he, he, here's the thing so, what if he did?
2: Yeah, he's an old man who demanded respect. You don't say you would never just say, Hey, Prof. You'd say, Hello, Mr. Proft." back in those days. You would never <laughs> treat an adult like that
0: and today what, what up night and, and and also today mr proft
2: oh excuse me yes mr. Yeah, proft, right, yeah right yeah right but um, i just loved i remember and i know you, you'll um, not to interrupt but i just loved that the whole assembly that they had his goodbye assembly at iu oh yeah when he left that was classic and one thing that he said was just classic when
3: my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past I want they bury me upside down, and my critics can kiss
0: my. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's. Vintage. I mean, cause
2: he was upset, but then he got you know he was angry during that whole thing. He was captivating, and I love that he died in Bloomington, Indiana, at his home with his family surrounded, surrounding him, and you know he died in a place that he loved. In Matt, o-
0: Matt, Oak Hey, good morning, guys. Um, so years
4: ago, he's he's at a luncheon downtown, and my dad goes to the luncheon. My dad just loved Bob Knight, and uh, he said, there's 400 guys at this luncheon, and everybody loves the general, except one guy, and this guy gets up and asks them an embarrassing question, and uh, and Knight goes, sir, stand back up. The guy stands (laughs) up. My dad said, the guy's about 400 pounds. He goes, sir, you're the fattest effing guy in the room. Sit back down. My dad said the place
0: like crazy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Uh, thanks for the comment. But I love I that mean, after
2: he got fired, then he reinvented himself. I mean, he went to Texas Tech for, what, right four eight seasons, and then he was an analyst on ESPN. and He never shied away. He never went away. He never changed who he was.
0: I, 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 I mean, there's so many great interactions with the press, which is why, you know, uh, that's why Night, like Ditka, is in part so memorable. I mean, uh, the game face, uh, a game face. What's a game face? And then he does all these distortions of his face. <laughs> it's, it's, a like
2: game
0: it, it, it's just ridiculing the nitwits in the sports press corps and um, so I, many nitwits in sports generally.
2: I know, but they remind me of Trump Dick has a little Trump in him. And so does Bobby Knight just that they're fighters. And they're there, there
0: is. Yeah, there is that aspect of it. I and that's know. and that's why, you know, they're reviled in some quarters, but uh, beloved by people who know better. You're
1: listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
5: Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Signature bank.
1: Only the biggest stories. Only the biggest guests. And only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. You can uh, etch these numbers on Illinois' tombstone.
2: All right, hold on. Let me get out pen and paper. 35%. mm
0: mm-hmm. Uh 88%, 97%. 35, 27. Your winning lotto numbers are 35, 27, (laughs) 88, 88. and 97.
2: And the Mega Million Powerball or whatever it is called is?
0: Uh, Is (laughs) DOA. 35, 27, 88, 97. 35% of kids in Illinois Can read at grade level. Statewide. I'm not talking about CPS. We talked about this with Ted Jabrowski. This school report card was out this week per the Illinois State Board of Education. So you don't like the numbers? Take it up with them. Since the... Education establishment and all of their toadies are wants to attack the numbers. Oh, this is that's that measurement doesn't mean anything. Not nothing. No assessments mean anything. This is the way they get away with perpetuating schools that don't do a very good job of educating kids. Thirty five percent of kids statewide, one point eight five million children in K through 12. One third of them read at grade level. One fourth of them do math at grade level. Twenty seven percent. Yet somehow, magically, the graduation rate is at an all-time high, 88%. And even more astounding than that, the teacher proficiency rate? No, they didn't. 97% statewide. (laughs) So uh, one-third can read at grade level. One-quarter can do math at grade level. But every almost everybody's graduating and virtually every teacher is doing a bang up job. It's the most remarkable thing.
2: What a wonderful system we have in place. Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey 5600 pro answer line. Six four six three six type in DA, then a quick comment.
0: You know how absurd this fraud is that's perpetrated on the public and then the most of the public extends the perpetuation of it? Because God forbid that I have to confront the reality that they liquidated my house and property taxes for no reason.
2: Well, yeah, everybody's getting their tax bill right now, Dan. And education, I mean, school funding has gone up by, what, 15%?
0: Well, for the for what? property taxes in North and Northwest suburbs per, per the triennial assessment, they went up an average of fifteen percent. Right. In in Desplaines, thirty percent. In Chiller 30... Park, thirty percent. I know. Middle income communities.
2: They're not going to be able to afford to live there. Well, their homes are they're being fleeced. And oh, I feel so they bad.
0: love it. What? Why? No, don't feel don't bad, don't bad for them. It. They love it.
2: No, this, no. I think people are starting to wake up. No, I, they're not. Oh, I don't know. Because everyone got their tax bills. So, of course, you know, they did MOS's yesterday. Here's Linda Johnson.
6: Put it this way. I'm ready to leave Illinois. Because of the taxes. No, me. Because of everything that's going on here. But mainly the taxes. We're taxed out. And
2: she's yeah. saying that your sirens are blazing behind her because there was another crime. Yeah, I mean, down the street.
0: It's, we, great. it's been half the population wants to leave. It's been that way. I mean, that, that Southern Illinois University survey is like a decade old.
2: Well, it's so bad for our Cook County treasurer because of high taxes. She has no friends, Dan. Do you understand this? Maria Pappas is hurting. We, well, we need to send her, you know, fruit basket. I hear constantly, I'm out of here.
6: I can't get people to come to my house for dinner anymore because they left <laughs> or they won't drive
2: downtown. I mean, people are just done. That's your Cook County treasurer.
0: Yeah.
2: People are done. I mean, she's even admitting, you know, it's over for Cook County. I,
0: I don't know what that means. Uh, so, you know, there's still 12 million plus people milling about here. What, what does that mean? It's just something people say. The, people project onto the overall population what they're feeling. But that's not the attitude of the overall population. Because if it was, you would see things happening that you're not seeing. So, I I mean, I don't want to fall prey to being in an echo chamber. I mean, I recognize what's true. And I recognize how we got here. And I recognize what the implications are. But I also recognize that there is a majority of the population in the state that either doesn't believe... Or doesn't want to confront all of those things I just said. That's the reality. So we can play politicians like Maria Pappas. And I mean, again, it's fine what she said. But I mean, we can play that and you can play random people on the street. But it's not reflective of the attitude of the majority of the population, which is still some 12 million strong.
7: But how it many just, people moved out? It just out? isn't.
0: Yeah, a, a lot of people moved out. It's still 12 million strong. We're still the what? 5th most populous state. I, I I mean I just the I, I think I just say that because I think people say, oh, "Well, once this gets exposed, there's going to be this moment." And um I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be a moment
2: text message. Amy, you are funny. You act like this time something's going to change. There will not be a change. Dan is right.
0: I mean, I'm just going by what we've seen. I there there, maybe there'll be a deus ex machina that uh, completely reorders things in Illinois. It's hard to predict those things. D in Union Grove, Wisconsin.
6: Hi. So I was on a school hi. so I was on a school board in uh, 2011. I was elected in uh, District 1, Illinois. and um, the school board Association they wanted, they wanted to force the school board members to become members of that so that we could be indoctrinated to make sure that we got their program pushed forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had very conservative values. My husband, we had a nine-year-old in school at the time. They, Because of the fact that we resisted all of the indoctrination and some of the curriculum and the, the ridiculous raises, we had kindergarten teachers making $110,000 a year in 2011. So they bullied my kids. We ended up putting him in private school in Wisconsin, school choice. And within two years, we were out of Illinois. I live in Union Grove now. This has been going on for so many years. It is absurd that it continues to go on because it is exposed. People know, but the teachers' union are the ones that are driving the NEA and the AFT. Those are the two organizations that drive everything in this country, and they What's, are corrupt.
0: What, what school district? Uh,
6: district 1. Uh, Lake County. Yeah. It's uh, Zion, uh, Winthrop Harbor, Illinois.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah
6: it was It was horrible, it was horrible. I was the only i w- I voted no for anything that they could not justify uh They had administrators that were you know sitting at the table with the school board members, and again, we ended up having to have my attorney come up to a meeting up there and meet with the superintendent who was managing a five hundred student district and making hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up having to pull my son out of school.
0: Thanks for the call, Dee. Appreciate it. Right. I I get it. I mean, the people that are smart and able, they leave. Uh, People with resources have choices, and they make them. But uh, what she said, you know, the teachers' unions, you know, people recognize it but the teachers' unions. But, But there's no but the teachers' unions because the people recognize that, too. They're just resigned to their fate here, is my assessment. There's nothing I can do about it, so I I just hold on because it could get worse. And so, you know, this is, I've said many times, people just withdraw, they don't participate. And that's great news for all of the tax eaters and their retinue. And that's how they run the show. Paul and Carrie. Good morning, guys. You know, you alluded to this earlier, and it's no surprise to you. When you
8: have a state of uh, water cooler jobs, those on entitlements, teachers' unions, those with quote-unquote bad backs that can't work anymore – For instance, uh, the new hiree—well, he's not new anymore—at D three hundred, the DEI hiree, he's making one hundred and sixty something thousand a year at D three hundred. So when you have people like these in a state like Illinois, hell, they have no problem with these taxes. They're all content with it. It's you, it's you, those capitalists and so forth out there trying to make a buck. You have the problem.
0: Thanks for the call, Paul. Right, but you know, the teachers' units and uh, the DEI guy making 160 grand. the teachers' unit isn't a blob. It's a bunch of people. Uh, in your community, uh, or particularly if you have kids in school, I mean, you know who they are. You know or should know what they're doing. You know or should know who they're hiring. So i'm I'm a little perplexed by these sort of generic scapegoating the teachers union is doing this to me are they are you doing it to you David and Winnetka
9: yeah i um good morning i uh do you do you have numbers by chance of the twelve million people that you mentioned of the age uh, demographic? Like how many? I, I would think that most of the people that are staying in the city aren't thinking about kids or schools or, or this or that. They're at the age of thirty. They just you know they go to their tech job and they don't give a damn. Um, uh, it's, old- it's,
0: it's a mixed I mean, I, I I don't have all the age demographics offhand, but I mean, you know, the the city of Chicago is not the West Loop, you know. It's not everybody working at Google or uh, some some you know mid level or entry level corporate job. That's not the city. This is this, the people. A lot of families
2: here. The people exactly. I mean people too. It's but Maria I mean. Pappas has no friends because they all moved away.
0: Fifty wards okay. and a, a lot of uh, neighborhoods. Seven neighborhoods. A lot different de- demographics. The the point is this. People have this idea of what the city of Chicago is. They thought the city of Chicago is sort of how you're describing it or how you were intimating it, it is. Um, and this is why so many people are so surprised by Brandon Johnson's election. It, you don't look at what things actually I'm not talking about you specifically, but people no. don't look at we don't look at how things actually are. We have this like um, the idea that we've imprinted in our minds and we just don't alter it to reflect reality. That's not the city of Chicago. Well, uh, With the West Loop, uh the financial district is not the city of Chicago. It's just part of it.
9: Sure, sure. But let me ask you this then. How do you how how do you account for uh rents in the suburbs just skyrocketing simply because people are mass exodus the city, supply and demand?
0: Well, that's part of it, and part of it is uh, you know, interest rates and uh and lack of inventory for homes and and um
2: Mortgage and, rates, people are renting like crazy right now.
0: And out-migration. I mean, there's a lot of variables. But, yeah, there's no question that there's people have left the city and, Sorry. M- marginally.
2: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Thanks this report you just gave me out. Not too hopeful. 35%.
0: Uh, Oak Park River Forest High School. Oh, no. Oh, I, I don't know how to break it to the denizens of River Forest in particular. Oh, heavens.
2: What's going on?
0: Um, They lost their designation as an exemplary high school.
2: I need the rest of the morning off. (laughs) Uh, I can't live like this.
0: Exemplary high schools. Only the top 10% of public high schools in Illinois receive the coveted exemplary rating. Oh, it's coveted. OPRF, no longer exemplary. Oh, uh, thanks for updating us uh, for something that everybody should have known uh, two generations ago. Oh, and uh, the superintendent says it's only because of the significant uh, English as a second language group of students that we have Aww. that we fell out of the top 10%. But, you know, we're doing the Lord's work here. Oh, no, there's no question.
2: Blame in the minorities. Okay.
0: No question. Doing the Lord's work. Um, at Oak, Pier, Oak Park River Forest, just outside of that exemplary designation, top 10% of Illinois public high schools. Are you listening, River Forest? of students can read at grade level. 51% can do math at grade level. And in Oak Park River Forest, where equity is a badge that uh, people wear proudly, zero focused on equity. Equity is the hill upon which they choose to die. Uh, Reading by grade level, 74% of whites read at grade level. 20% of blacks. Uh Uh-oh. What's going on? Tell us about it. And the uh, gap in achievement by race increased. Gap increased last year for this almost exemplary school that's so focused on identitarian politics, so focused on identitarian politics that 20% of the black students there are reading at grade level. Wonderful. A bang-up job, I'm sure. A hundred percent of the teachers are rated proficient. Actually, they are ninety-nine point three percent. You know what? Ed, the people that get upset when I go after their schools, like this happened when I was uh, did that event with Nutri for Nuture neighbors with yeah. uh, John Cass when what I happened? said, "Well, I said schools up here. You know, you you, you think Nutrier and the Glenbrook schools? They're, these schools are awful." What? <gasps> well, clutching their pearls. No, I mean this. You know, this is a group of center right and conservative people. Yeah, I know. It's so tied up in status and reputation that is not reflective of reality. And you bumper just can't stickers. Co- you <laughs> just can't confront it. But here's the thing: you go ahead, you believe whatever you want to believe. I mean, w- w- this is what I don't understand. W- what do you think I get out of this? It, well you' are not I mean I, up. I, well I don't, I don't I mean it doesn't impact me uh, other than you know uh, what's going to come in future generations that don't have the skills to succeed or think, um, which is sort of a prerequisite for success, the ability to critically think, you know read, uh, do basic math. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm already out of school. There, you can make the schools as bad as you want; doesn't impact me. So I don't know who you think you're punishing by continuing to uh, watch these schools disintegrate and pretend that they're not. You're not punishing me. I'll tell you that. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Prof and Amy Jacobson on AM five hundred and sixty. The
5: answer. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and older only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today. 773-467-5630. 773-467-5630 or visit them online at signaturebank.bank. That's signaturebank.bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online signaturebank.bank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Signature
7: bank.
1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So Mr. Johnson is going to Washington. BLM Brandon. whoop doo He said um, that migrants in Chicago are beginning to become a burden.
2: he said the B word. Yes, he did.
0: Um, Excuse me. Uh, People cannot be illegal and they cannot be a burden. He said um, things are not equitable here with respect to the responsibility that Chicago is bearing compared to. I don't know, compared to other unnamed parties. So he wants more cash from the federal government to help alleviate this burden. I mean, again, I'm not using that, those incendiary words. Those are the words of Brandon Johnson. 312-642-5600, turnkey.proanswer line, 64636DA, turnkey.proanswer
2: line. I know the mayor of New York, the mayor, our mayor, the mayor of Denver, the mayor of Los Angeles, the mayor of Houston are all going down unbended knee asking for more federal funds when i want them and most chicagoans want them to go there to say shut down the border enough is enough but that's not going to happen they're joining forces like superheroes
7: i've said that the federal government has to do more and we're bringing people together not just in the city of chicago but around the country look we can be unwavering in our approach to how we provide dignity for those who are seeking asylum we can be unified in that approach, but it has been articulated. There are almost 30,000 um, Ukrainians here, and no one even noticed. In fact, there was no debate about it. So the question is, what's the difference here? Now, that's a question that I'm posing to you all, right? Consider it a classroom point. assignment. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm going to be in D.C. <laughs> in solidarity with, <laughs> okay. with these okay. mayors. As we've had multiple conversations over the course of my short five months in office. And we're going to push the federal government just like we're going to push the state of Illinois to do its part.
2: This guy, I mean, listening to him, he is a child. It was like Buddy Bench hour yesterday when he had his first press conference in three weeks.
0: What's the difference? What is the difference? 30,000 Ukrainians are here in Chicago.
6: Hmm.
0: Uh, And um, so what's the difference? I, I don't know. You tell us. You tell you're us. One, you're the mayor. <laughs> you're the one calling them a burden. I'm not.
2: So we also learned yesterday, too, that they're still not sure about 38th and California site. They're still not sure about 115th and Halstead because there's some environmental issues. But now a new th- thing in the mix is the defunct uh, broadcast museum. Uh, Alderman Riley sent out an email saying they had the wrong address. That hotel Chicago thing, Dan, that was a mistake. It was a few, few doors down. It's going to be the former Illinois or Broadcast Museum. Museum of Broadcast Communications. That's what I meant to say. Um, but you know, he, Brendan Riley's like people were there. They toured the building. What's the latest from the other questions today girl. about the Museum of Broadcast? It does seem as if it is in the mix. Can I? Can we just say yes or no?
7: I don't know why it seems that way. I've
2: Because you didn't
6: say no.
7: Did I say it was?
6: Well, we're,
2: that's, that is, therein lies, you know. What's the definition of is?
7: I know, right? Thank God I'm not the president of the United States. I don't have to answer that question. I mean, I think we know the definition of is and is not is. Uh, Look, we have looked through a variety of, 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 of property all over the city of Chicago, as well as land. And we will continue to assess uh, property and land. Um, that can help us address this international crisis that I inherited. The federal government and the state government has to do more. Um, we're, we're, we're burdening, burdening um, the people of Chicago in a way that is um, becoming quite heavy.
2: Uh-oh, burdening? Oh, Dan, there's. Oh, shh, it's the
0: b-word. Why? It's a, a homework assignment for BLM Brandon. Why are you not calling thirty thousand Ukrainians a burden, but you're calling migrants mostly from? Latin and South America a burden. Hmm, what's the difference there, sir?
2: Three one two six four two five six zero zero turkey turnkey.pro answer line. Dan I also want you to know that he is the stamina. This man, he's up for the challenge. He rides his bike.
7: You know, we're 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 moving through him though. I mean you know, I'm not I'm not tired. I'm up for it. I still ride my bike eight miles a day. So, you know, those international policies that we have to address, the local dynamics of neglect, the fact that the, ne- the negligence have, has caused the type of frustration and pain that our people are suffering through, those are hurdles, and um, we just continue to adjust as we go along.
0: You can tell when uh, oh, BLM boy. Brandon is out for a bike ride because it looks like a Tour de France event with 130 cops following him on their bikes. Tony, on the South Side, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer.
7: Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dan. You know, This is getting
0: old.
8: I keep hearing these people talk about they're here as asylum seekers. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are they? What is their claim to asylum? I, don't, I don't think these people even know that's top of it, I'm tired of hearing. Brandon Johnson saying that you know there's dignity in what we're doing. We're, that's not dignity. Letting people sleep in police stations and, 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 and on sidewalks is ridiculous. That's all I got.
0: Thanks for the call, Tony. That's a good point. I, I you know, we're giving people dignity. I'd love to uh, see an enterprising reporter go uh, check that out with the migrants. You feel like you've been dignified by your treatment from the city of Chicago? Now again. Uh, It's better than their treatment uh, in in, in Caracas, but, you know, rental assistance and this service and that service and so on and so forth and and base camps being at least conceived, if not yet constructed for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is when they when they heard all the wonders about these welcoming cities, New York and Chicago, is this what they had in mind?
2: And, and real quick, this is 38th in California. This is a question. You know what, what's going to happen there? You know, you're, it's already under construction.
7: You know, we're oh, sorry, we're we're What's moving the latest
2: through. on the 38th in California site?
7: Still assessing. So I think this was raised before. Well, we there are there are a lot of environmental dynamics in the city of Chicago that have gone unaddressed for a very long time. The green factor. You know, sometimes my wife asks me. She's okay. like, "What is it like being mayor?" Okay. I said, "It's like." an HGTV special. You ever watch different shows like Property Brothers? You watch Property Brothers? And then you know how you acquire a particular property, and then it looks like this is great potential, and then you knock down a wall, and then you notice and you discover that there are dynamics that have been unaddressed. That's what Chicago is like right now, that we have this incredible edifice. But so many of our neighborhoods have been neglected that there are envi- environmental concerns. And so I have to do my due diligence to make sure that the environmental um, space is palatable for such a site to exist.
2: So in the meantime, people are just going to be piling up inside and outside of police stations.
0: Uh, the special city council meeting today, right, to see if uh, we're going to add uh, or they're going to add oh. the uh, ballot question on Sanctuary City to the to next year's ballot yeah right? they
2: tried that yesterday and it was a no vote so alderman beale stepped but i think up. the
0: people really want
9: to just uh have a voice on whether or not we want to continue to be a sanctuary city uh whether or not we want to continue to spend 30 to 40 million dollars a month on this
0: migrant crisis hmm. so
2: hopefully they'll readdress it today but yesterday there was they did not vote
0: uh but that we did get the uh the million uh, dollar home surcharge that's on the ballot
2: yeah that's yeah that is of course to that's forward. on the ballot to, to help the homeless oh by the way a lot of homeless people don't want to be helped so frustrating to me do they ever go out and talk to people do they interact with homeless people to see what they want
0: cory and woodlawn hey good morning guys The property tax
4: increase is coming. There is nowhere in the world that local government can spend this amount of money and this not hit our budget. That's why they are attacking our infrastructure, because this stuff is tied directly to property taxes. They're going into your schools. They're going into your police department. These individuals have a direct hook on your property taxes, and that's where the increase is coming. They're going to run these individuals out of Chicago and replace these individuals. So Marco Rubio is saying we need new voters. We need new taxpayers. This is what this is all about. It's population replacement for the losses. Thank you, wow. guys.
0: Thanks, Corey. I agree, uh, with Corey. Grant and Rockford.
4: Good morning, you guys. Great show. Hey, I want to say, sorry doing an morning workout here. The, um,
8: term "migrants" implies they're going home. Birds migrate; they go home. Everything else migrates; <laughs> it goes home. It's just they are not going home. They are invaders. Uh, and um, well, uh,
0: let's you know you you have a point there, but let's uh, let's let's call them what they are. They're new residents. There are new wow. residents.
4: Yes, new Democrat voters and tech, text welfare leeches. Dan, oh, I love your podcast, by the way.
0: It's
6: great on, Spot- on Spotify.
0: I love it. Keep it up. Oh, great. Thank you very much. My counterculture podcast. I appreciate that. Great. I'm gonna Thank down-
2: you. Can I download that?
0: Spotify, Apple, Rumble, YouTube, uh, amgreatness.com. It's everywhere you want to be.
2: Because <laughs> I need more of you. When I'm uh-huh. down here, I want to hear more of <laughs>
0: I did. I no, mean, I know. You, Actually, you do have great interviews. Well, like on this, on the this Tom topic, Holman one was good. Yeah, Tom. I mean, we I spent an I hour with Tom Holman because he's just such a font of knowledge on this topic. So oh, yeah. the literally- granular knowledge he has on this, he just has great takes. It's not me. It's the, you know, it's the it's the people we have on that know all this stuff. Enough
2: about me. What do you think of me,
0: uh, Monica and Lyle?
2: Hi.
6: I was just going to say you can hear it in his voice. He is scared. To death. Yep. He has no clue what he's doing. He is over his ease and it, it, he thought he was going to handle a little bit of this problem and deal with all of Chicago's, you know, the schools raise, increase taxes, be the stooge for the uh, CTU and that was that. Surprised? You get, uh, you get a lot of other problems along the way.
2: Well, Monica, I want you to know. Yes, he also said that being a middle school teacher taught him how to become a mayor. He said Venezuela has problems because of the (laughs) sanctions placed against them. That's why they're coming here. And he also said, um, wait, what was the last one that he said? Oh, but that uh, he's only missing a few of his son's soccer games, and he has to miss a soccer game today to go to D.C. Oh,
6: poor B. On top of all that, he's a whiner. Congratulations, Chicago. All you've managed to do is change the deck chairs on the Titanic. Mm,
2: makes me miss Lightfoot. Tell Thanks you that. for the call, Monica.
0: Uh, Lewis, Northside.
2: Yeah, I wanted to
0: comment
4: about the comment that the mayor made of, and that you criticized that the difference between the, the Ukrainians,
0: Ukrainians and, mm-hmm.
4: yeah, and, uh, and the current migrants, which come from South America. Um, I can, I can, I'm witnessing it because... I have neighbors who are Ukrainian and they've only been uh, my neighbors for like two, three years and they already own a home. They have a business and they have the house full of people. They come in and out from the Ukraine and then they disappear. And I don't see them working. And I know there's got to be some kind of government subsidies that they get. Their kids all get bused to, to and from schools. And they got it better than me and my wife who work and, and pay taxes and my grandkids and i could see the difference because it's in it's in my face so you know and i'm a long time listener i'm um, most of the time i'm on your side i didn't even i didn't even vote for this mayor but i wanted to comment on that because i'm i have first hand experience with that like i just told you so
0: all right thanks for calling Louis, appreciate that uh guy in blue island
10: yeah, good morning, Amy and
3: Dan. Morning. I just want to say that uh, this is a case of be careful of what you ask for. Because so Chicago asked for it. Now they're calling it a crisis.
0: Thanks for the call, Guy. Uh, Kirk in Johnsburg.
8: Yeah, hi, uh, Dan and Amy. I'm just wondering where I go to uh, claim asylum from the Democrats. You know, I, I'm starting a
11: caravan down to Texas if anybody's interested, so...
0: Thanks for the call. Well, Kirk. did you see
2: there's a video of people leaving? They ju- jumped on a Greyhound bus and said, Chicago is, you know, as soon as it started snowing, like, there's really nothing for us here. And they went back down to Texas. Left the Camp City.
0: Uh, Marty Naperville.
4: Yeah, good morning. Brandon Johnson has become exactly what men have been portrayed in TV commercials and TV shows. For the last 20 years, he's just a whiny little baby. He thought he could come in with that little point on the top of his head. Would somebody tell him about that? And think he could just clean everything up and do anything because, he's, you know, I was his teacher. I know what I'm doing. Well, he
2: said he's I still a cool dad, too. I'm a cool dad.
4: Yeah, he's a cool yeah. dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A kid fall down the stairs again and learn how to get up. Gee, nice move, Dad. But the point is the guy just whines about everything. Now you want to... Now we're going to put on a bail to not be a Sanctuary City. Why? Because it's no fun? Was there something involved in it? Now you're not getting your federal money, which doesn't go to the Sanctuary City situation anyway. He just he – just, I can't even listen to the guy. We need – let's get Lightfoot back. That was <laughs>
2: – Well, it, at least that was it, leadership. It was city, okay. but, you know, well, I mean, it he didn't – he, he couldn't commit to 38th Thanks in California. Call, he couldn't commit to 115th in Halston. He couldn't c- commit to the Broadcast Museum, which – it's going to happen. They're going to turn that into a migrant shelter. But just say it then. Just come out and say you're like stringing people along. It's like a dating and abuse lover. It's like, come on, just come forward and say the truth. But he won't do it because he's too scared. He's got his tail between his legs.
0: Bob and Gray's Lake. Yeah, I, I love Brandon Johnson's illustration of HTV and the
7: Property Brothers. Like,
0: great. Uh,
7: The difference between Brandon Johnson and the Property Brothers is when they take down a wall, they know how to fix what's behind the wall. Brandon Johnson has no clue. He doesn't know what a putty knife is, uh, patching tape, or compound, and he has no idea how to use it.
0: Well, neither do I, But um, uh, thanks for the call, Bob. But, yeah, I I don't think he has to... You have to be able to physically repair uh, the infrastructure. I think you have to have an idea of what you're doing from a public policy perspective. This is, I mean, also predictable, of course. And and if you talk to people that uh, knew Brandon Johnson when he was a flack for the teachers unions, they'll tell you that, um, you know, he's just sort of a show pony. Uh, He's not a workhorse. He doesn't really have any particular skills, Other than what you see publicly, which is sort of a, you know, um, generally pleasant, although it can descend into whiny, as people described, demeanor, but generally pleasant demeanor. And he's got, uh, you know, this bull jive identitarian rap that uh, is so alluring to so many Chicagoans. That's that's enough, apparently.
2: I have seen him run out of press conferences. I mean, it's just...
0: so. Uh, He's got a bike to ride. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. An AM 560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM 560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, Uh, the latest from the Lavender Bund around the world, starting in uh, San Fernando, California, where uh, there was a uh, planned drag queen event at the library, and some residents not thrilled with it.
2: Um, When did the library become a...
0: Yeah, you get the gist of it. Uh, Lindsay Horvath is the supervisor of uh, the the county there. Uh And um, she wrote this in response to the protest of Pickle.
2: Pickle? Who'd do Pickle? (laughs)
0: Uh, I apologize to the families who were excited but could not get in to see Pickle a respected drag artist and West Hollywood's drag laureate. Wow. Royalty. Uh, who was determined that the program be held, and to the dedicated library staff who have to show bravery by just showing up to work.
2: Mm-hmm. They're my new heroes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hold the Pickle in San Fernando, uh, California. Uh, and by the way, I think Pickle was holding hers as well. hey Yeah. Quotation marks. Um, related story here, Nutria. I wanted to get to this uh, when we were talking about uh, our uh, top flight schools last hour. Uh, kids, uh, sophomores at uh, Nutria. That's an exemplary school. I'll tell you right that that right now. Unlike well, Oak Park or so. Forest, so, yeah. top ten percent. No okay. question. No question about that. Uh, kids at Nutrier assigned the short story of the victory lap by George Saunders. Never heard of him. It's a story about a man attempting to kidnap a 15-year-old girl so he can rape and perhaps murder her. Oh, it, and, uh, it contains a lot of, uh, choice words. Uh, the C word. Ew. Um, I, all sorts of other things that I, I can't even, um, euphemistically describe uh i mean (laughs) i'm 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 trying i'm just i'm not creative enough to describe the vulgarity in this novel anyway um blank in the ear butt blank c word swoogle rear blank cornhole the ear blank c word Uh uh-huh yeah Uh, So, uh, a parent caught uh, wind of this assignment. Somebody's paying attention up there. That's nice to hear. Emailed the teacher and administrators. Uh, The parent was told no other parent had complained about the assignment. We got one parent paying attention. New Trier. It's
2: the beginning. Something, man.
0: Um, And the parent's email upset the teacher. (laughs) That's what the administrators... (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, look what you've done. Now you've upset, you know, the our English teacher. How could you? Uh and was told to only contact the English department chair with concerns like this to the future Arch, You can't be you can't well, be complaining to your kid's teacher that could upset the teacher. Come on.
2: Well, <laughs> it happens.
0: A parent uh tired of being uh, patronized Uh, the story goes, the parent read some of the choice vulgarity out loud and asked, is Nutri really okay with this sort of assignment? Uh, The long pause that followed made clear the administrator had not read the assigned story. Of course not. Of course not. And uh, then the administrator took it up to uh, one of those assistant superintendents you've heard so much about. Uh, Doctor, doctor. Uh, In... um, uh, subsequently the story assignment was deemed a mistake.
2: Oh. A mistake uh, though,
0: though that was past post cuz it had already been discussed. And there are no plans to notify the other parents about the assignment. This has comes to us through new neighbors. So um <laughs> but wait, wait, here's the kicker. How did this mistake happen?
2: Oh wait, how did this mistake happen? Mr. Proft
0: the teacher assigned the wrong victory lap instead of victory lap by George Saunders yeah. and reading about anal blank S blank rectum Fritz. Uh, instead of that, the sophomores were supposed to read victory lap by Julian Winters, which is about a gay black teen with a non-binary friend who's trying to figure out who to ask to a school dance.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, that's so
2: much uh, better.
0: So oh, well, fi- finally, we're getting to literature.
2: Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey dot pro answer line. You could also reach us all morning long on that text line, which is fired up and ready to go. Six four six three six. Type in da, then a quick comment.
0: Not that victory lap. The other one.
2: <laughs> They're both equally disturbing for me, but okay. You know,
0: I mean, it's just really, it's just so choice. It, it just really is, and it just couldn't. It couldn't be more appropriate that it's happening at Nutria. Oh, by the way, a Nutria report card. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is this is uh, certainly um, you know better than the average, double the average, but still, think about this: what you're what you've been led to believe about Nutria, including a lot of North Shore residents, Nutria Township High School. New Trier, the Trevians I'm talking about. Are you listening? Everybody should be. There are betters. Seventy one percent of kids read at grade level, 69% do math at grade level. Now that's I, I, I don't know if I've seen a, a government school, government high school in Chicagoland with better numbers. But that's also a depressing statement, isn't it? So you're telling did you did you think did you think that one almost one third of the kids at New Trier cannot read or do math at grade level? Is that what you think of when you think of Nutrier? No. Right.
2: Don't tell the parents.
0: No, no, please. Oh, God,
2: they'll need counseling right away. Don't tell the parents about- a California psychic.
0: Don't tell the parents about Victory Lap. Don't tell the parents about the 30 kids that uh, are coming out of Nutrier without being able to read or do math at grade level. No, no. Everybody, let's keep up appearances. Let's not make it uncomfortable for anyone. Joe in Naperville, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer.
9: Yeah, I don't get how they get away with this. If I took that book and read it at a playground in New where wearing a mustache
8: and a raincoat, Trans- the moms would have killed me. I would have been killed. And also, I don't know if you guys with the schools, if you saw the Wednesdays Sun-Times, they lauded how well the graduation rates in Chicago.
0: Oh, yeah, graduation rates are great.
8: Right, but they don't talk about how prepared these kids are and how they're doing.
0: Well, no, 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 I mean, no. They just oh, pass them to get them out of their hair. Let's not uh, get into the weeds, Joe. They graduated. Thanks for the call. They graduated. Everything's fine. Oh, graduation rates are great. Teacher proficiency rates. Ugh, well, outstanding.
2: I mean, they they rate themselves, right, or do they rate their coworkers? That's why they got a ninety-seven percent.
0: Well, that's in uh, the state. Uh, well, well. Yeah, that's right. in the state, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's uh, Nutriere is 99%. Right. Oak, Park, Oak Park River Forest, 99%. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, to be okay. that 1%, Ugh, it's not pulling your load.
0: Uh, Pulling your load. <laughs> well, it sounds like something on a victory lap. <laughs> Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: <laughs> the stories you need to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer
0: on AM560, The Answer. I have uh, more from Nutrier. Okay, what do you got? In their sexuality and education class, which is a quarter-long class sophomores. One of the... Oh no.
2: <laughs> Wait, is this going to make me sick? One of the
0: exercises that uh, they do, apparently, is they go around the room and every student says penis. But... Uh you're supposed to say it louder than the previous student said it. So I say penis, then you have to say it louder.
12: Penis
0: like that, exactly.
2: Okay. That, and
0: that, you get an A. Um uh, so yeah. Yes. Penis
2: I couldn't <laughs> even say the word I'm like Pen-a. I think I said penny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so- Mike Scott, where's Mike? Justin. Quinn. Uh, yeah. going around the circle or going around the horn.
0: Um, the, uh, the teacher was asked about this by, a a, a concerned parent oh saying, um, why? Why? Right. Yeah. Why? Um, why? she said it's an icebreaker.
2: Oh, what, is, what? And then do they go around the room and say <laughs> the JJ?
0: No, well, no, of course this is, these are serious, uh, educators. They use the proper, uh, proper nomenclature for, Female anatomy, I have no doubt. Um, that, that teacher must be, you know, fun at parties in paneled basements with shag carpeting, a camera, and no windows. She must be. Oh, my uh, yeah. gosh. Um, the questions. Would you like to hear the questions? Oh, please. Uh, this is uh, questions adolescents ask about sex. Um, this is part of the class. Uh, why does menstruation occur? Or, or yeah, okay, menstruation. But-
2: Mm-hmm. They don't say menstruation,
0: right? Can a person? Uh, when, uh,
2: Can a person get pregnant by kissing a boy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they're not. They're, 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 they're you know, fifteen and sixteen, know. not that's six. All right. Uh, what constitutes sex? Um, you know, oh, it has Bill Clinton exactly? Uh, how soon after starting the pill is it effective? Oh yeah, let's get right uh, into it. Uh, Do older people have sex? No.
2: Oh, never. No, they go to the library.
0: Not older married. That's for sure. Um, Can someone with a penis, someone with a penis, not a man, can someone with a penis use Saran wrap as a rubber?
2: (gasps) Oh, oh, dear Lord.
0: I'm sorry. Can someone with a penis use Saran wrap?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Times are hard in the North Shore. Okay. Can
0: you get crabs from a locker room towel? How do you like Ooh. that? Mm.
2: You know what? I think you can. <laughs>
0: and maybe you should uh, be a TA. How uh. much does abstinence, a- abstinence cost? Uh, okay. okay. So anyway, um, these are the goings-on at New wow. one of your elite government schools in Illinois. I just thought... I mean, I still, the Victory Lab story is the best, but the icebreaker and the sexuality and education class, that's pretty good, too.
1: You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The Answer.
0: Uh, top of the morning, Dan and Amy, uh, before we get to uh, financial matters,
7: a yes. good email
0: f- uh, on the uh, the question posed by BLM Brandon, uh, 30,000 Ukrainians in Chicago, and nobody talks about them. Now, why are people talking about uh, uh, people from South America and Latin America sleeping on the floor in police stations and in tents on sidewalks and so forth? um this email the ukrainian immigrants fleeing the war are required to have sponsors who will guarantee housing and support for them oh what a concept Uh, that's why many of them start out living with family and friends who are already living here they tend to be highly educated at my church we have people who are engineers pharmacists college professors social workers teachers the ukrainian community has been very supportive of the new arrivals helping them file for work visas driver's license and so forth so that's the difference it turns out it has nothing to do with race gosh what a what an interesting development. Maybe the next time he poses that question, somebody can point that out to BLM Brandon uh, when he's trying to race hustle his way out of this chaos that he has engineered. Hmm. Thank you for that email. Appreciate that. Uh, all right. I, I I'm still trying to get uh, an answer here. I mean, uh, uh, we talked about this a bit earlier in the week. You see uh, headlines like this one, Target CEO Brian Cornell says shoppers are pulling back even on groceries. We're supposed to be in austere times, people are supposed to be feeling precarious about their economic security, and yet, again, um, this report from the Fed and Treasury, survey of consumer finances, the upshot, um, this Noah Smith uh, blogged this earlier in the week, he's a Recon econ professor at stony brook U. america's wealth is way up since the pandemic the increase is pretty even across the board with people at the bottom of the distribution gaining proportionally more than people at the top inequality is down across the board racial inequality educational urban rural overall wealth inequality it's all down debt is much less of a problem um in in um point of fact the um yeah, the debt-to-income uh, ratio has declined in the last three years. And uh, Americans' wealth has increased substantially over the last three years, about $51,000 for the median American household. Median family net worth in America now is median, so half below, half above. Median is now about one hundred ninety-two grand, which would put U.S. at about 6th or 7th in the world i mean we could do better but you know we the there's this uh doom and gloom uh in so many quarters and and you've had economists huffing and puffing about uh the prospect of a recession so is it really that gloomy for more on this we're pleased to be joined by scott the cow guy Shelly. Yeah. there it is uh yeah, of course uh that's well well let's let's do a little promo for scott here too yes, please. uh he's the market specialist for uh, market day reports that's 10 30 to 1 p.m he's also the host of the cow guy Close. that's 1 to 1 30 p.m both at rfd tv scott the cow guy thanks for joining us you know you're um not necessarily sally sunshine all the time so uh, what do you make of those numbers
10: Oh, you go ahead and believe them. You can, uh, you know, sit down and beat you know, yourself all you want. Uh, but the stuff that really matters, like uh, the uh, you know uh, delinquencies on auto loans, uh, foreclosures, uh, credit card uh, balances, um, all the stuff that is real that uh, comes across the desk is it, is flashing yellow or red about we should really start to pay attention. And oh, by the way, there's this other issue that they didn't give you a report on and that's how much money we're spending and what the deficit is going to ultimately do to the american household because as you probably sure what you know you know that the the uh the, the our, our spending on military every year is around 800 and 800 billion dollars and change um next year the debt service so just the interest we pay on the money that we're borrowing will eclipse that number it'll be in the high 800s maybe 900 we're going to be at a trillion very soon. So all yeah, of those they're... people out there that are marching and protesting against uh, government spending on military, I wonder if they're going to march and protest about the government spending on the debt service. Because we're coming <laughs> into a position here where we're rolling over 1% debt, which is expiring, and having to re-borrow at 5%. And its I'm telling you, it's debt-con-poor when it comes to we should be worried about it. Now, well, I have, I have a, well...
0: I, well, I mean, that, the you know the the government pays that. I mean, all I care about is looking at the ticker and seeing uh seeing that irrepressible market uh, continue to you know bump up pretty nicely and and so that my four hundred one k is doing all right. It's recovered uh, over the last three years, recovered and then some. Um, you know, my home value is up twenty uh, percent. I mean, everything is rosy.
10: Okay. Well, try to sell your house for that twenty percent higher. No well, buyers.
0: he can
2: because he lives in Naples, but we can't here in Chicago. <laughs> There's you a big sell- difference. Right.
0: You can't sell it for 20% lower there. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go
2: ahead,
10: <laughs> exactly. Well, so, yeah. I mean, so these things uh, look nice on the surface, but when you want to get into the meat of things, we're we're, we're definitely in some uh, very dire times. Now, yeah. it, it's, the people on the left, they're going to tell you that Bidenomics is working and it's fantastic, but... You know, you've got um, uh, 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 the Big Mac meal now has eclipsed $18 in Connecticut. 18 bucks. I mean, we've got what's happening in, the, in California with uh, Newsom driving up uh, minimum wage to passing a law to make it $20. Uh, Chipotle and McDonald's just rolled over and acquiesced uh, uh, this week. I'm telling you, you, it's very difficult. You might think that your home value is high. Try to sell it. You might think, uh, you know, look, at, and there's no way that you're going to be able to tell me that the government's going to come out and say that uh, the wealth is better when we have an all-time record high in credit card debt. Here's what the bottom line is, okay? When I talk to the wealth managers and the people that I talk to on my show, the reason why the American consumer has not totally cracked yet, because they have, started to suck some wind here. They're on, they're on fumes. They've gone, through, uh, they've, they've gone through all their savings. The savings rates are an all-time record low, by the way. You've got credit card debt at an all-time record high, over a trillion dollars in the country. Uh, they went for the whole equity Lens of Credit until interest rates started to pop on them, I and they couldn't do that anymore. And 30% of people that have a, have a, 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 a retirement account have, have rated it for an emergency loan. And so you can see the CFO of McDonald's and the CFO of Costco and the CFO of Kroger, a big grocery chain, all seeing that the consumer... Now, we're talking about food. The consumer is now starting to spend less or at least go down the value chain when it comes to protein and buying cheaper things. So we are now in a situation where these pension guys that I talked to have said that the reason why they believe that the American consumer is still spending is because mortgage rates are 8%. They can't buy a house. The things that you buy and use every day are up more than 20% when it comes to buying inflation. And so they've just packed it all in and said, you know what? I can't save anymore. They've given up saving. Me, and they're counting on the government to bail them out in 15 years when they retire. Bottom line, that is the situation we've got going on in this country. That's where we're headed. And then they say, you want to really get scary? That puts us in this position where these guys believe, and some of them are smart, there's going to be a universal basic income floated. Once we have all these people come to retirement age, and we also have artificial intelligence taking away a lot of jobs. I mean, I don't see a really great path going forward. Stanley Druckenmiller, who I, I really like, he says that we're in a dire straits as well. and It's probably not going to happen for another three or four years. Everybody's got the timing wrong. But this debt situation with the government and how quickly that's going up because interest rates have gone up is really going to break the back of the American consumer and well, small business.
2: Was there any good news yesterday that the Federal Reserve you know, held interest rates steady?
10: Well, five and a half, our, our Fed, yeah, our Fed, yeah, we're at five and a quarter to five and a half. That's the range that they've held everything steady at. I'm telling you right now, though, we, we had 13, 14 years, we were at zero. How about this? About 15 years ago, well, about five years ago, we had a total of 16 trillion dollars in this, in the world of negatively priced debt. I mean, the, the world was trying to spur spending on by actually giving people loans at a negative rate. So they had to pay back less than they took out. That's how badly they were trying to get people to spend. And now we find ourselves in a situation where we've raised interest rates at a historically very high pace, not at a high level, but a very fast pace. Uh, and, and there's no way unchanged interest rates are, are, are gonna hurt the consumer just as much as they would have raised them another quarter. It doesn't really matter now. Unchanged is hurting small business and consumers, and it's one of those things that's a slow roll, and also it also it, it, it's cumulative. It's going to slowly hurt more and more every month. And watch what happens. I'm not kidding you. It's, uh, I think it's pretty dire. Small businesses are just trying to stay alive. You have to raise prices to stay in the game, but people are starting to push back from that, says the CFO of Walmart Costco programming. I, I tell you, I, try to, I, I truly do try to find a way to find something positive in the situation. But I, I tell you what, I would hate to be running for office on the back of the fact that these numbers. are really would
0: do you think uh, the Fed is done raising rates? They're going to hold serve and see how things uh, work out over the next several months?
10: Well, I think it's going to be hard for them to raise rates going into Christmas. I mean, even, you know, they'll say that they're agnostic and they don't think about that <laughs> stuff, but they do. Okay. And the things that the Fed, the, things the Fed looks at, though, I think are, are, are problematic. Number one, they look at the unemployment rate. And you know what? I think this unemployment rate is suffering from COVID, COVID uh, ills. And it's going to take another two or three years for us to kind of come out of it and get a real true g- handle on it because there's so many part time jobs and so many second and third jobs in that number that it's really, I don't believe, a true reflection. And it's going to take some time to come through the system because of what we did to these, this economy in 2020. And the other thing that they look at is this Jolts number, this job openings number, which I'm, I'm not a big one of. I've never really looked at it, but that's another. One where if you're, uh, you know, all the jobs out there that people want, are the job openings versus people that are looking, that's still at a, a pretty hot rate. Um, and, and so, and then you've got, say, inflation with uh, crude oil. As crude oil goes up because of the problems in the Middle East, all of those things are inflationary. And then lastly, you've got the UAW settling for 40% or 25% wage increases, as well as UPS, as well as American Airlines, all that wage price pressure. It's also going to push up inflation in some some areas as well as the 20 bucks an hour in California there's going to be things that the Fed looks at that could say to them you know what we need to raise again but the American consumer and small business just can't handle it
0: I'm, I'm looking at investorscom right now investors business daily uh, Dow rally continues um, we're gonna rally right through the <laughs> rally right through the end of the year I presume all right I mean I' I, I, I w- w- what's your handle on the market? All this, uh, all these predictions about uh, a pullback or a correction in the fourth quarter or the first quarter of next year. Uh, do you subscribe to those predictions?
10: Uh, no, i I'm, no. I think that a five percent interest rate on, on two year money or, or three month money is a much better bet right now. When you wait to see what happens with the Middle East, China, Taiwan, Russia, Ukraine, our own econ- economy. Well, the government's going to give you 5% interest and a tax break to sit out on the sidelines and wait and see what happens. I think that's a fantastic alternative at this moment in time. It hasn't been there for a long time, so people aren't used to it, but the uh, the average return on the stock market over the last 50 years is like 7%. So you're just underneath that to sit it out for a little while and wait to see what happens. Because I tell you, the best piece of research I've read this week was written by somebody that said, go back and read what was going on in 2008 the summer of 2008 nobody saw what was coming coming they were still saying the same things that you're saying right now about it's rosy get in the market everything's fine so these types of things again are cumulative it's like what Hemingway said about you
0: know bankrupt. it starts yeah.
10: off really slow but all of a sudden you know all of a sudden it's all at once that's exactly what we're facing here so I would be very cautious. I mean, I would be in, you know, uh, and I'll tell you from a, a family point of view, we moved half of my my family's money uh into interest rate bearing securities rather than have it be risking the market. I'm still in the market a little bit, but I tell you what, we've never gone this far into interest. Rates. Uh
0: Bitcoin. Um B- Bitcoin has quietly um gone up about uh, 75% in the last 12 months. It seems to me uh um so, what's the dynamic with crypto? I mean, against the backdrop of the Sam Bankman-Fried uh, criminal trial, of course, the irony. But um, what about Bitcoin and and crypto?
10: All right, well, I'll start off with Bitcoin by saying that, uh, yeah, it's at 35,000 of change this morning. Uh, the high was 67,000, though.
0: Wow. Yeah, but it was so down almost, under 20 a year ago. Exactly.
10: Right, I know, and and, and so lately it looks good, but if you've held it for the last two years, you're still only getting about 50% of your money back. I don't like it, I've never put anybody in it, and I've never done it myself. However, for the first time in my investing years, my 36 years in this business, I can see a path forward for Bitcoin, and that is with the central bank digital currencies that everybody's talking about, these CBDCs, and the control that the government's going to have over your money, watching what you spend, how you spend it, And then the way that they're going to control interest rate hikes or interest rate cuts, they're going to put expirations on your money when you get paid. You have to spend it within the next 60 days or you lose it. That's how they're going to spur on the economy or how to cool off the economy. Um, There is a a, a reason, that's a good reason, why you might want to keep your money or go into Bitcoin. And the other one is if, uh, depending on how this election plays out, Dan and Amy, I mean, you could see in the next 12 months, um, if you've got uh, a, a sitting president that puts another president in jail that's running for office and what that looks like to you know, to the, our country in the Western world, um, there's going to be some people that get a little bit nervous and want to put their money in Bitcoin, not even the dollar. So I see one and a half reasons why you might start to want to think about Bitcoin, the biggest one being central bank digital currencies, and the second one being some uh, un- unrest depending on what happens with Donald Trump and, and his legal
2: issues. You know, Scott, I remember when you were able to predict that President Trump, well, then candidate Trump was going to win the election. Uh, what are you predicting this time around? Not,
10: I, I, I can't predict because there's so many things that, you know, they're not letting nature take over, right? This, this administration has broken the laws of nature every single turn. You know, they try to tell you that you know defunding the police was going to make you safer. They're going to try to tell you that having no border is more equitable. I mean, everything they, they tell you breaks the laws of nature. Now they're doing it again with the election, and I don't have a good feel because it's not happening naturally. I don't know what happens with the courts. I can't predict that. Um, and I think it's really perverse to watch this play out when it comes to Republicans because all these debates are running for who's going to be the second ugliest girl you know, in, at the wedding. I mean, I don't understand. Uh, you know, what, Whatever happens to Donald Trump, I know that's why DeSantis or whomever is going to stick to it, seeing what happens if there's an existential threat with him. And he has to take himself out. But uh, it's very, very odd. I don't see the country, though, going in the same direction, re-electing Biden. So they might re-elect a, you know, a Gavin Newsom, but I don't see him re-electing Biden. I think he's done. But that doesn't mean the Democrats don't retain.
0: Scott the Cow Guy, Shellady, Market Specialist for Market Day Report, 1030 to 1 p.m. The Cow Guy Close, host of the Cow Guy Close, 1 to one thirty p.m., both at RFD TV. Scott the Cow Guy, thanks as always. Appreciate it.
7: All right,
10: man. Have a great
2: weekend. Thanks. You too, and he joined us on our Answer line. Listen to
1: Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. America First with Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM560.
0: The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. You've uh, familiarized yourself with the story of the Garden of Eden, haven't you?
2: Yeah. Don't you dare eat that apple?
0: The, yes. The, the story of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Well, um, everything you think you know about that story needs to be unlearned. Post-haste. Uh, here's a proper 21st century interpretation of that story, you know, for the West at least. Uh, brought to you by Rebecca Todd Peters, who is a uh, minister with the Presbyterian Church,
2: uh-huh.
0: PCUSA. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, first, just let's lay a foundation here. Okay? Let's lay the foundation.
13: People often ask me how I can be a feminist and a Christian. My response is that being a feminist Christian is the only way I can be a Christian. The author of First Timothy would certainly have considered feminist theologians and female clergy to be disobedient daughters of Eve. And there are a lot of Christians out there who would agree. And that's okay with me. Feminist theology has taught me how to reinterpret scripture in ways that are healing and life-giving. And I refuse to allow conservative Christians or anyone else to take my God away from me.
0: All right. So you've been put on notice. Um, Now let's get to it. Because uh, we can't let the misogynistic interpretation of the Garden of Eden persist. Can't do it.
13: As a feminist theologian, one of the things that gives me joy is reinterpreting texts that have been used to hurt or control people. Because the God that I know is full of light and life, because the God that I know holds me in my grief and walks with me in my pain, I know that the sacred word of God is not a weapon, nor should it ever be used to harm or shame people. Despite two millennia of misogynistic interpretations of Genesis and Eve, There have always been other ways to read this story. Let's get to it. When we look at it with fresh eyes, it's quite a remarkable story. Have you ever noticed that God lied to Adam and Eve? While the serpent plays the role of the foil here, he's meant to set Eve up. For her role as the bringer of wisdom and moral agency to the human community, the setup for this action that she takes is that God lied to her. God told the first couple, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you will die. And the serpent reveals the truth. You won't die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And here we get to the real heart of the story, the verse in which Eve acts on behalf of all humanity. In fact, the moment at which Eve not only exercises her own moral agency, but she chooses that very trait that defines our humanity, that knowledge that makes us moral creatures, our ability to know good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Then she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. When we say that we need to trust women to make the critically important decision about whether to continue a pregnancy, it is rooted in a reinterpreted understanding of the story of the Garden of Eden. 312-642-5600,
0: 312-642-5600, pro answer line, 646-36DA, pro text line. Any uh, theologians out there want to challenge that interpretation? Uh, I, of the, I, I think I said pastor, of, excuse me, pastrix uh, is the proper term.
2: Pastrix, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. A God lied to Eve.
2: Trying to get people to turn against God, are we now?
0: Well, um, what's, so your, what's your what's your understanding God. of? Uh, I mean, you you go to a church where well, Rebecca Todd Peters would be very comfortable. No. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just be honest about it. Um, so, um, what what is what is the understanding of God, and that, well, particularly as it was, pertains to the accusation that he lied?
2: He didn't lie. I mean, the man was man was free to eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge, right? Of good and evil. So but, how
0: was he what, lying? What to... what 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 is the nature of God? A little. Uh, d- uh, from a Christian perspective,
2: God is our Savior. God created man and woman.
0: What what it, as it pertains to lying?
2: Well, God doesn't lie
0: <laughs> because God is truth. Right. It's not possible. That's sort of a foundational understanding of the faith. Uh, as I understand it. I mean, I'm no Rebecca Todd Peters. So that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is this whole reinterpretation. All of the blasp uh, blasphemous things that she said, that's the silliness with her with her ridiculous singsongy voice. Where does it all lead? Abortion. Right. It's all just a setup. To rationalize abortion, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear her interpretation of Genesis three sixteen. But I digress. And if you don't think, I mean, she ba- she all but she not all but she said it at the end. Um. But I mean. Uh, just to confirm it, we've got more Rebecca Todd Peters. Oh, no. That's not her first rodeo. And she's again, she's doing this from the pulpit in what is ostensibly a Christian church. I mean, you know, I guess it's uh, no worse than the sparkle creed uh, in a house of worship either. But uh, or as well, I should say, this is another sermon that Rebecca Todd Peters gave on uh, the wonders of abortion while wearing a Planned Parenthood stole.
2: We're to share.
13: talking about abortion! Make them stop! Talking about abortion makes many people profoundly uncomfortable. At dinner parties, in polite conversation with friends and family, and too often in church. Despite many people's profound discomfort with abortion, images, messaging, and moralizing about abortion are ubiquitous in our culture. Talking fetuses, aggressive bumper stickers, and saccharine billboards quoting scripture and invoking God's wrath. Pave our streets and plaster our highways. Politicians stump on the issue, and state legislatures spent the last 50 years working to control, regulate, and ultimately overturn Roe v. Wade. Their success was our failure. In the abortion imaginary, all people of faith are against abortion. This imaginary has colonized our minds, traumatizing many people with its toxic theology, and shaping a culture of stigma and shame that has silenced millions of women and people who have had abortions, erasing their voices, their stories, and their witness from the public sphere. As a child of God, I can certainly appreciate the lyrical beauty of this text, as well as the descriptions in Jeremiah and Job of their certain knowledge that God was with them in the womb. I, too, feel that I am known by God in these ways. As a woman who has born two children, I can affirm that I felt something sacred happening in my gestating body during those pregnancies. I can also attest that I felt God's presence with me as I made the decision to end two pregnancies. And I felt no guilt, no shame, no sin. While the liminal space of my womb and all fertile wombs represents the possibility of creating new life, if pregnancy and gestation are to remain holy mysteries, they require cooperation. A forced pregnancy or birth is not holy. I cannot fathom a God who would imagine otherwise
0: Hmm. shout your abortion from the pulpit yeah or abortions in her case uh so she says um something else too about this just struck me about her sermons homilies uh the uh opposition to shame i mean that's a real cultural phenomenon the idea that uh You shouldn't be ashamed of anything you do. Well, right, it's the sort of another way of saying, you know, no judgment. I'm not judging. You're judging me. Don't judge me. You're not ashamed that shame is bad. Feeling shame when you've done something that is sinful is bad. That's the message of the Presbyterian Church. At least,
2: justify her own abortions.
0: At least, Pastrix Peters.
2: just trying to justify her abortions
0: i mean the cultural disintegration as we talked about during covid we don't talk about it enough frankly the cultural disintegration sure is perhaps uh, most obviously illustrated by the crack up of the nuclear family and all the horrors that flow from that but we don't talk enough about with disintegration of cities, disintegration of the law and order, the uh, melting down of houses of worship, and uh, the leadership of those faiths helping to melt it down. We have the same thing going on in the Catholic Church with people like Pope Francis and Cardinal Cupich. Greg and Schaumburg.
2: Talking about Pope Francis, issued yesterday a document um, that calls for a paradigm shift in the Catholic theology that takes widespread engagement with contemporary science, culture, and people's lived experience as an essential starting point. Um, I'll skip the Latin on it, but it's a the revise of a document. It's called To Promote Theology. And I'm just going to read one more paragraph, Dan. Theology can only develop in a culture of dialogue and encounter
6: between different traditions and different knowledge, between different Christian confessions and different religions, openly engaging with everyone, believers and nonbelievers.
2: That is the typical ambiguity of Pope Francis that is destroying the Catholic Church, and it is leading this world into a moral immoral abyss.
0: Thanks for the call, Greg. Ralph Rantoul. Hey, good morning. You know,
8: there's so much heresy whenever she opens her mouth. It's just difficult to pick one thing. Uh, besmirching, uh, blaspheming the nature of God, calling him a liar, I, I think, I don't know why anybody in her church. Oh, wait, wait, I know why. (laughs) Because nobody in her church actually reads the Bible and understands any of it, and they're certainly not going to get it from her heretical mouth. Um, That is a problem with so many of our churches. You may have highlighted her, but that, unfortunately, narcissism and worldly garbage comes out of pastors' mouths all over the place.
0: Yeah, but that's... yeah.
8: It, it, it's horrible to listen to her. It's
0: horrible. Thanks for the call, Rob. No, that's what. That's exactly why um, we're discussing her is because she's not unrepresentative. Uh, there's a sort of an interfaith church, or uh, well, yeah, an interfaith church of sentimentality, and Supich uh, is uh, part of that, and it's just like this Peters woman is. Greg Jefferson Park.
8: Hey, good morning, guys. You know, Dan, you mentioned, uh, you know, where does this all lead? I'll tell you where it's going to lead her, into the pits of hell. If she believes that, uh, you know, that God's a liar or he lied about this, then, you know what? God lies about everything, and uh, therefore there is no God. So why is she doing what she's doing, standing at a pulpit preaching? This woman is out of her gourd, and uh, it does not bode well long-term for her or her kids if uh, she k- continues to teach them the crap that, uh, that she's preaching. You guys have- right.
0: Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Uh, Deborah Arlington
6: Heights. So the problem as I see it is, and the last caller kind of touched on it, is when you usurp God and you become your own God, which is what she's doing from the pulpit. She's her own God, and she's usurping God. That's what you've got. And this is like, as you said, you know, this is littered throughout modern progressive churches where there's these people that are false prophets, basically. But that is, that is her issue. She is her own God, and that's who the people in that congregation are going to listen to every week is her, and they're like looking at her, apparently as their god, too, because of the nonsense she's spewing.
0: Well, thanks for the call, Deborah. In point of fact, they're probably deciding they're their own gods as well, just like she is, to your point. That's what she's saying. Don't be ashamed of anything you do. Um, You know, God's just like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, God's like me. A scumbag. Oh, good to know. All right. Uh, for, I uh, should be a little bit more genteel. Fallen, I would say. Yeah, God's fallen too. Yeah, he lies, and stuff. Sure. Uh, Matt's outside. Hey,
8: good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy. I just wanted to point out, Dan, you said,
10: you said something about uh, her having her sing songy voice.
6: Yeah. So what I
8: don't understand is why every, every woman who's,
10: Tries to be intelligent and talk down to us like our voice, like our vice president.
9: Why do they all sound like idiots when they talk?
2: <laughs> so. Dan, you care to dive into that one? No, I'm gonna pass. Okay, uh,
0: Sasha's you. outside.
6: Yes. Hi. Good morning. Um, this woman is an utter idiot, and she's talking about for people not to judge her, but she do- judged two innocent. Children that were a gift from
0: God. Shame on her. Thanks for the call, Sasha. Oh, shame! No, no. Shame oh no! Oh no! Heavens. Uh, Will Skokie.
8: Hey, how you doing? Uh, the woman is misquoting scripture. She stated that God said, "Do not eat of it or touch it." That's what Satan. That's what the serpent
10: said, not God. Um, you know, I, I love these preachers. What what did she get in Hebrew class? Did she actually take Hebrew and understand Hebrew? Can she actually read the original? Um, You know, this has been interpreted and read and studied and commented on for centuries, for millennia, okay? Um, And she she knows more than these guys.
0: Right, thanks. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks thanks for the call, Will. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's sort of this... um, uh, he, he to me it goes back to this book The Liars Club, Mary Carr I think I've mentioned it before um, Yeah. yeah. Um, she's an academic I think it's Syracuse, I'm going from memory here which is fading in my old age but uh, she talks about her conversion to Christianity in the book and she basically said, you know, it took me a long time to recognize that uh, just because it's in my head doesn't make it true like if I think it Or does it make it doesn't make it true in the sense of good just because I think it doesn't make it. So I've got to bump this up against some sort of moral standard that exists outside of me. But this is what people do I'm a good person. So if I think something is right, then I'm a good person. So that must be good. And this is what she's doing. Right. Um, So I'm a good person and I'm a Christian which you know is part of me a good person because I you know believe in the beatitudes and, and being nice to people and helping other people and so on and so forth so I'm going to bend the word to my views to what's in between my ears because I'm a good person so there's not there can be nothing in the word which is the truth that would repudiate me and my decisions because I'm a good person I do this I do that I help people The idea that there's a moral standard that exists outside of you is, which doesn't seem like a complicated concept, but it's a bridge too far for, I don't know, uh, a significant percentage, if not a majority of the West. Uh, Jordan in Antioch. Good morning. Um, So,
8: She's so far off base. It's unreal. But uh, you know, she's guilty of what even Adam did. They they weren't supposed to eat from the tree of knowledge, right? Why? Because then we put ourselves in God's place and we have God's knowledge. So therefore, we're not submitting to God. She's she's her own God. That's our original sin. That's the original sin. That's what we're all born into. She should be preaching that and how to get away from that. The other thing is she's a she's a she's a pastor. She she should know full and well what the scripture says about how she's to be judged for false teaching her congregation. She's going to be judged harsher than we are, but here's the, here's the more important thing about her is is while she says that she serves the Lord, the same Lord that was in that garden of Eden, it's not the one that Adam and Eve were talking to and the one that scripture's written by. It was the other one, the Lord of this this earth. So I hope her congregation busts that up to what she's teaching because they're following her and she's
0: Thanks for the call, Jordan. we got to run. But um, yeah, send your good comments and send them all to the Presbyterian Church, Presbyterian USA. You're listening to Chicago's
1: Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. The banality of evil, a phrase coined by Hannah Arendt to describe what took place during the Holocaust. The banality of evil Uh, seems to be taking place in many quarters in the West again in response to the Hamas terrorist attack on October 7th. And perhaps um, the best illustration, even more than the professors who've said just absurd, vile things at Cornell, at Columbia, the equiv- the moral uh, equivocations by university presidents, like at my alma mater, Mr. Schill, the Dickensian named Schill, but the the the, the um, instance I'm drawn to is this uh, engineering student that was arrested at Cornell. The student.
2: Yeah, the Asian kid.
0: Um, n- National Merit Scholar.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Engineering at Cornell. Mentoring other engineering students. That's how bright this kid apparently is. And posting on social media, posting publicly threats to shoot up a, a dining hall that caters uh, predominantly to kosher diets. Yeah. To, slit Jewish, the, yeah. to slit the throat of any Jewish men he came across. I'm quoting him. Rape and kill all the Jew women before they birth more Jewish Hitlers.
2: He also threatened to kill kids at the Jewish Living Center where about 30 kids, students live on campus. And so they had to lock themselves in the library at one point in time.
0: His mom said he suffers from severe depression.
2: That's not depression.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I, I need um, some help connecting those dots myself. This is an, a manifestation of depression. I'm not a psychologist, but that seems um, to not be a very persuasive explanation.
2: And it's so bad that we're just learning this morning that Cornell is canceling their classes tomorrow after anti-Semitic threats. So how does that
0: happen? How does this standout student at whatever high school he went to, National Merit Scholar, he goes to what is allegedly— and I dispute this, but allegedly one of the great institutions of higher education in the Western world, and he becomes that. How does that happen? Uh, perhaps uh, our next guest can provide some insight. Uh, she's Julia Steinberg. She's an intern at the Free Press. She's a junior at Stanford University. The Free Press is uh, the outlet Barry White started. And uh, she recently penned a piece, Why My Generation Hates Jews. Julia Steinberg, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
14: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, Stanford. uh, Stanford. Stanford, uh, that's where they uh, separated the Jewish students from the non-Jewish students in the classroom.
14: Yes. That was in a mandatory first-year class called college, and... What happened that day is in two different sections, the lecturer, he wasn't a professor, thank God, but a lecturer hired by the university to teach this freshman class, singled out Jewish and Israeli students, and at one point diminished the 6 million Jews killed in the Holocaust. He said, oh, that's not that many. Uh, The colonialists have killed more. And I think that's fairly an, an an extreme example of what's become commonplace at universities and even high schools in the United States, which is this obsession with the oppressor-oppressed ideology. And because my peers see that at least some Jews have white skin and that Jews are on average doing better than the median Americans, that we are oppressors. And therefore, any resistance against the oppressors is justified.
0: Uh, in your piece, in your piece, you talked about uh, your experience in the uh, Great Books program at Stanford. Can you uh, relate that to us?
14: Yeah, so I was in this program called SLEE, Structured Liberal Education, and it's honestly an amazing program in some ways. You start out reading uh, The big of Gilgamesh, the Odyssey, the Republic, and it's a tour de force of Western intellectual history. However, in the last quarter, in the spring quarter, it works in the last 200 years. It's a lot easier for 19 year olds to disagree about Plato than it is for 19 year olds to disagree about Marx, or in my case, Franz who who is one of the authors uh, we read. And in the Free Press, I think yesterday, we published a piece by Eli Lake uh, calling him the uh, prophet of decolonization. Mm-hmm. And Franz Fanon, in his works, explicitly supports the idea of violence against a colonial regime under any circumstances. And in my section, in my discussion section, uh, two years ago or a year and a half ago, I brought issue to this, like having no idea what would happen on October seventh, saying, "I think it's a bad idea to blanket approve violence against colonialists." are colonizers. And a lot of people in my section disagreed with me. And I, I think back to that, that conversation, and I wonder if any of them changed their mind. And I was talking to a freshman who signed up to be in that program who lived in that residence hall that's dedicated to the program. And he told me that before the school year was started, he dropped out of the program because he was afraid as a conservative or as someone who wasn't really an orthodox leftist He wouldn't be able to talk about his opinions in the way that he really wanted to.
0: Right, and that's Stanford University, another uh, allegedly uh, institution of, premier institution of higher education. And so, what is campus life like for you there right now? Yeah.
2: Do you feel safe? Probably
14: hostile. I think a lot of people are on edge. Uh, White Plaza, which is. One of the main centers for student gathering on campus. There are two sort of like warring demonstrations. There's first the uh, pro-Palestine sit-in. There have been students at this little tent city for I would say like ten days now. It's a good amount of time.
0: You have a students for justice and you have a students in justice for Palestine chapter there.
14: I believe so. Yeah,
0: Mm
14: -hmm. but I don't think anyone. Everyone who's at the uh, sit-in is affiliated with that. You have a lot of people who sort of just stop by for a night. Yeah, right. But there are people who are really devoted to the cause. So that's one corner of White Plaza. And then in another corner of White Plaza, uh, one of the Jewish communities on campus has set up a Shabbat table warning the over 230 people kidnapped uh, by Hamas and with a bunch of Israeli flags near it. So I feel like that encapsulates the like warring environment on campus. I think in this last week, it's definitely cooled down, but I remember the week after October 7th, I was just so frustrated with a lot of my classmates that like I barely left my room. My friends would bring me food because I didn't want to have to go to a dining hall and have the experience of the person in front of me in line at the salad hall, or in, in front of the uh, salad uh, station posted pro holocaust propaganda on their Instagram stories, which was in fact the case for... Dozens of my classmates, people I used to say hi to on my way to class. Well, luckily, none of my close friends feel that way. You
2: now, tell us what happened when you're during your freshman and sophomore years. You lived in a dorm that um, served kosher food, and some incidents happened.
14: Yeah, so the same dorm that uh, was home to the Great Books program also has the kosher dining hall on campus. And I don't keep kosher, um, but a lot of my Jewish friends do. And it's the closer dining hall on campus because it's the closest proximity to the Hillel, the Jewish uh, center on campus. And during my sophomore year, I was still in that dorm. A student in my, a Jewish student in my dorm had a white bird on his door vandalized with a portrait of Hitler and swastikas. And they never found out who did that attack. And for the rest of the year, I was always on edge as a Jewish student. And later that year, uh, last spring, I was walking to class. It was a beautiful spring day, 75 and sunny. And I heard these two girls discussing a third girl. They said about her, oh, she's Jewish, but she's politically good, implying that Jews were generally politically bad. And I guess I would fall into that category as a Zionist, but also someone who's not the leftist and hearing that just really frustrated me that there's this expectation that Jews had to disavow their homeland to be quote unquote politically good. But there's also this expectation that Jews are an oppressor or Jews are not compatible with this social justice ideology that's so prevalent on college campuses.
0: I mean, do you have um, any comment on that Cornell student and and the things that he posted and, I mean, do those things um, – do does, number one, whatever happened to him uh, or you know the road that he chose to go down to believe these things and to say these things, um, any insight on that? Do you see any sort of essentially radicalization uh, instances, uh, number one? And then number two, I mean, do you hear or see comments like the comments he made? or you know, comments adjacent to the kind of comments he made uh, on, at Stanford?
14: What uh, the student did, uh, Patrick Dye, was absolutely disgusting. And I'm glad that he's apprehended. And I have Jewish friends at Cornell, and I can't imagine how afraid they felt for these past few days. I thankfully haven't seen anything really remotely like that at Stanford. And I think... That, as we saw after over 30 student groups at Harvard signed a statement sort of blaming Israel on the massacres that happened and implicitly condoning Hamas, and all once the letter was publicized, many of these student groups disavowed themselves from this. I think it's a PR game for a lot of Stanford students, even if they may harbor these thoughts, they're smart enough to know that their future employers are not going
0: to hire them how, how did how, like how, how did the school um how has the school responded the, the administration uh, professors how are they responding how did they respond to the professor who separated uh jewish students from non-jewish students and said uh, as you said that um you know six million jews killed in the holocaust wasn't that that big a deal
14: yeah, so with that lecturer, he has been suspended. He's not teaching for the rest of the quarter. I doubt he's going to be able to teach again, at least at Stanford, which is very good. But I would say overall, the university's response has been fairly lackluster. They've said publicly that they were reaching out to Jewish communities, Jewish students that have been impacted by Israeli students, especially those who have been subject to harassment, campaigns, on social media, and that's not happened, and... There is currently an open letter that's going around, signed by a lot of prominent alumni, but also students as well, I signed this letter, that talks about how the university hasn't properly addressed anti-Semitism. And I think that we've seen this sort of most blatantly from the highest levels of the administration in the response that was given. After Rosie Wade was overturned, after the war in Ukraine started, it took less than a day, I think, for those for university responses to be administered, uh, condemning sort of both political situations. And even on things about climate change, they're more than uh, happy to jump to a swift condemnation of the fossil fuel industry or things like this. But when it comes to October 7th, I think they waited until like Wednesday or Thursday of the week after that to issue a statement which condemns terrorism broadly hmm. but they didn't delve into the specific attack they didn't say they said we condemn what happened on october 7th as a larger condemnation of terrorism but they didn't single out this sort of anti-semitic terror act that did occur and from what i've heard israeli students on campus especially have not been getting really any support i have a friend who last year was an ra in a freshman dorm and a resident assistant and one of her students is or one of her residents was Israeli and he was just called back to serve in the IDF and she had no idea and it's sort of crazy to me that the university wouldn't really facilitate residential help for Israeli students who are being called back to serve for their country or that just that status isn't really cared about generally
0: mm-hmm Julia Steinberg is an intern at the Free Press. She's also a junior at Stanford. Uh, Her piece at the Free Press, Why My Generation Hates Jews, you want to give that a read. Julia Steinberg, thanks so much for joining us and uh, good luck at school and uh, in your burgeoning journalism uh, career, commentating career.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Yep, you too. And she joined us on our Pro answer line.
1: It's what Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer.
2: All right, coming up on Chicago's Morning Answer.
0: We'll talk to our friend, Kentucky State Poli Sci Professor Will Riley at
2: 838. But now into the newsroom we go. Here is Mike Scott. 36 degrees. It's
11: thirty one. Mayor Brandon Johnson on his way to Washington, D.C. At the White House, he'll ask for more federal assistance with the growing migrant crisis in Chicago. As we've had
7: multiple conversations over the course of my short five months in office, and we're going to push the federal government just like we're going to push the state of Illinois to do its part. Look, Chicago is leaning in. We have borne the brunt of the responsibility here. That's not an equitable distribution of how government should cooperate.
11: The mayor giving his opinion yesterday, Johnson will be joined by mayors from New York, Denver, and elsewhere and getting help from Governor J.B. Pritzker, who told reporters yesterday the feds need
3: to do more ahead of winter. There are other places in the country they can go, and the federal government ought to be helping to, um, you know, manage the logistics so people go to places where they, you know, can survive through the winter. Hundreds of Americans
11: could be leaving the Gaza Strip today through the border crossing at Rafah with Egypt. Overnight, the border crossing authority issued a new list of passport holders, and the list includes about 400 Americans. One of the five former Memphis police officers involved in the death of Tyree Nichols will plead guilty. An attorney for Desmond Mills says he'll be changing his not guilty plea in a hearing. Later today, first-time claims for unemployment benefits are up 5,000 from the previous week. We'll see if that has an impact on Wall Street later this morning. Chicago police continuing their search for a missing 5-year-old boy. Kinnear Pettit was last seen Saturday by his mother. Authorities believe he may be with his dad, Joshua Pettit, who also has been reported missing. The Bears have let go of an assistant coach for the second time this season. Head coach Matt Eberflus announcing that running backs coach David Walker was fired for not upholding organizational standards, but Eberflus would not get more specific. Bulls collapse in the final minutes of their 114-105 loss to Dallas. Nikola Vucevic had a 20-20 night. The 2-3 and three Bulls host the Nets next. Rangers are World Series champs with a win over Arizona, their first in franchise history. College Hoops, Northwestern on the hardwood last night. They took down Division II McKendree, 85-63. 834 and a check of traffic and weather on the way next on AM560.
1: If you listen to the mainstream media and the Democrats, you'd think it was a sin to be black and conservative. Well, John Anthony blows up that perception every week on Black and Right. Join John this Saturday afternoon at 4 when he pushes back against the left and its regressive, progressive agenda that tries to dictate how people should think or feel about politics. Listen to Black and Right this Saturday afternoon at 4 right here on AM560, The Answer.
15: Have you been struggling to find an easy, safe, and secure document scanning solution for Salesforce.com, Microsoft 365, SharePoint, or OnBase by Highland? Your struggle is now over, and it's time to get your documents and operations into the 21st century with IoT Smart Connected scanning. It's easy to turn physical paper into digital documents and have them directly uploaded to the cloud with IoT Smart Connected scanning from IDT. And you don't need a degree in computing or IT to make it happen. Using QR code technology uniquely configured for your specific business, anyone can set the IoT Smart Connected Scanning device up in five minutes or less, saving your organization money and valuable time. Remote employees can even capture documents and send them safely and seamlessly. Organize documents efficiently and securely with IoT Smart Connected Scanning from IDT. To see a demo or to order now, go to ready4idt.com. That's ready4idt.com. Use promo code SMART and receive 10% off your order. IDT, putting paper in its place.
12: Right now is a really good time to get your student loans under control. There are so many people that we talk to every day who tell us that they just feel so much anxiety and overwhelmed by their student loans. But once they pick up that phone and call us and we're able to give them a plan and a strategy that may lower their payment by hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands of dollars, and may actually get their loans forgiven. The point is just to give people some clarity and control over their situation so that they know that whatever the payment is, whatever the plan is, there actually is a plan and That plan is going to save them the most amount of money. I'm Ray Kaplan, and I can help you get debt-free, stress-free. Give us a call at 312-294-8989 or visit us at financialrelief.com.
2: Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. My name is
6: Ruthie. I love helping people. There's so many people that are down. Sometimes all it takes is a piece of pie to make the sunshine come in their life again. And with the help of Balance of Nature, it's making it more fun and giving me more energy. And I would really like to thank Balance of Nature. These are mine for
2: life.
7: Start your journey
2: to better health with Balance of Nature. Call 1-800-246-8751. Or go to balanceofnature.com to get 35% off your first preferred order with free shipping and our money-back guarantee. That's one 800 Go to balanceofnature.com or call one 800 and get this special offer by using discount code CHICAGO.
6: This hourly segment is brought to you by Papa Nicholas Coffee.
13: Papa Nicholas Coffee, a family tradition since 1897. Online at
6: PapaNicholas.com.
11: 837. let get an update on the roads. A service of Staples stores. Staples holiday deals mean amazing savings for the holiday season. Save 50% on custom holiday cards and invites, as well as custom photo gifts. Offer ends twelve sixteen visit staples.com slash print for more details and have yourself a merry little holiday. deal inbound Kennedy right now is running at an hour and 40 minutes from O'Hare into the Burns Circle Interchange the Kennedy outbound back out to the big airport in 40 the Ike is uh, right now at an hour from uh, Mannheim into the old post office big delays between 25th and ashland the stevenson brake lights first avenue to cicero 57 into DuSable lakeshore drive lakeshore drive tough in the road work zone northbound between hayes and 57th as usual jane adams accident left lane block eastbound i-90 between elmhurst road and lee chicago's morning answer with dan and amy continues next partly sunny in your forecast it will be warmer this afternoon at a high of 54. 36 right now at O'Hare. Next news at 9. Chicago's Morning Answer continues next on AM560, The Answer.
9: Now, from the Signature
1: Bank Studios. Only the biggest stories. Only the biggest guests. And only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer.
0: top of the morning, Dan and Amy, uh, this Jewish gentleman named uh, Yakov Langer, taking a page out of Penn and Teller's book. Remember uh, Penn and Teller's show on Showtime? These
5: campuses get attacked and... Uh,
0: uh, uh, sorry, Mike Gallagher, Mike Gallagher trying Mike. to take over our show. Um, Penn and Teller show on Showtime, bull blank, uh, where one of the features, they would uh, circulate petitions to highlight frankly, how stupid people are. Yes. Ignorant, I guess, is a better word. Like, they circulated a petition uh, to end women's suffrage. And the number of women who signed it, you know, because they didn't know what suffrage meant. They thought it sounds like suffering. And the one, the great exchange was uh, one woman, uh, like, could you sign this petition to end women's suffrage? And... It's like, and then the guy starts to explain, so women's suffrage she's like, yeah, 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 I know what it is. Give me the pen. <laughs> okay. okay, you know. Uh, so um, this, uh, this Jewish gentleman, I mentioned Yaakov Langer, taking a page out of that book, circulating a petition to uh, get people to sign on the dotted line to support Hamas in its effort to free Palestine. Take a listen.
2: Doing a, a quick petition to help Hamas free Palestine. Uh, you're all in? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh yeah, you're in? Easy. I just have to read terms and conditions just so okay. you know you know what you're signing. Okay. By supporting Hamas free Palestine, you agree to the following? You agree that every Jew, Christian, and non-Muslim in the world must be slaughtered? I don't know about that one. You endorse making homosexuality punishable by jail or death? What? Oh no. no. You don't agree with that? You believe Iran should use Palestinians as puppets to spread radical jihad and destroy the West? No? no. I'm glad I read the uh, terms of yeah. agreements. <laughs> you support strict Sharia law, which bans women from showing their knees, hair, playing sports in public, not being able to travel without a man's permission?
14: I'm sorry, not.
2: Not interested? Oh, okay. You want a terrorist group that beheads babies and rapes girls to replace only democracy in the Middle East?
12: not sure that's something to support. So if I sign I agree with this. Yes. Maybe no. No? Okay.
14: Well oh, no, thank you. No. I don't support any of these two things that you just read to me, so okay. then I won't be able to sign this
2: then. That. That's fair. Yeah no, thanks for not signing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Alright. Yeah, you gotta read the terms and conditions. Right. Uh, which so. are which are, you know, uh, statements that are part of Hamas's coda. That's what he was reading. Right, and the all these of the last
2: one LGBTQ plus pro Palestinian. You know, they're out there with the with the regular group. Do they know? Do they have any clue what they do to people who are gay or lesbian or transitioning?
0: You know, the the, so the question so becomes in part: um, Yes, uh, we can easily establish how little people know uh, in these moments, but um, that doesn't make them not dangerous. For more on this, please be joined by Will Riley, who is associate professor of poli-sci at Kentucky State University, author of Hate Crime Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War. Will, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
9: Always, uh, always good to be on the line with you guys.
0: Yeah, good to have you. So um, was Black Lives Matter uh, popular? I mean, you're, you're Kentucky State is historically black uh, college. Uh, was Black Lives Matter popular on campus?
9: I think in the kind of the genuine peaceful protest and yeah, I mean, people had BLM t-shirts and that kind of thing. Um, Kentucky State is, you know, an HBCU and a land-grant university in the South, and our largest majors are actually things like criminal justice and nursing. So, I mean, it, there's never, um, you know, a huge radical movement. No buildings got burned down or anything. But, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose, and again, you get into that question of what does something mean as versus what do people think it does. Everyone opposes actual police brutality, but I don't I don't think too many people went to the actual BLM website and saw things like take the black man out of the house.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, they, well, this is sort of the the point is like what they actually know or what they what they would say in response to the statements that have been made from BLM chapters around the country. I didn't know they had any money left. Uh, the resistance must not be condemned, but understood as a desperate act of self-defense. That was in L.A. That was uh, BLM in, in L.A., Um after the October 7th terrorist attack as a radical black organization, clear parallel. We see clear parallels between black and Palestinian people. Uh, of course, BLM in Chicago tweeted that image of the Hamas paraglider with the Palestinian flag with the caption, I stand with Palestine. This is, um, recounted in Jason Riley's piece in the wall street journal in which he says that no one be, sh- should be surprised that BLM is standing with Hamas. Um, And so uh, I'm not surprised either, but do you think that that leads any uh, reconsideration of support for BLM uh, in in this context?
9: I would say that BLM is no longer cool among students. And I think among most adult taxpayers, I mean, by now everyone knows what went on and assumes that a lot of the organization, if you think about Sean King or Patrice Colors or Colin Kaepernick, was just financial fraud, frankly – um, the thing with BLM is that there always was an element of this kind of thing. Like I, w- most people who are laymen who don't consult in politics, so on, when they think about Black Lives Matter, would think of it as an organization against police brutality or maybe street crime. Although they very rarely uttered the words "black on black." But if you actually, as I did for my book *Taboo*, check out the Black Lives Matter website and talk to their leadership and this kind of thing you'll find something very different. I mean, Black Lives Matter was established by three radical gay women, and most of their focus throughout the campaign was on black queer rights, was how it would often be phrased, uh, dismantling the nuclear family. Most of the money raised by Black Lives Matter, when Spiked Magazine looked at this, I was one of the writers on the piece, was actually given to groups like the Transgender Project. I mean, none of this had much of anything to do with, you know, let's buy body cameras for the cops. And now, I mean, yeah, one of the one of the core principles of the movement was always solidarity with Palestine. I'm not making right. that up. That's getting one of like ten things. Yes, on Yes, right. Side. We
2: played it too. Yeah.
0: Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. so I mean, but but, so, but this, yeah, is the, when, this is my point. This is my point is what people don't know about Black Lives Matter. What people don't know about Hamas. But it doesn't. Your ignorance doesn't absolve you. We we focus so much on the 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 groups. You know, the actors in the in the group like this. Uh, you know, ghastly. Uh, Hamad mouthpiece, who has just said recently, uh, basically October seventh, again and again and again, until Israel is no more. I mean, just in case there was any recriminations, there's none. They're not even attempting recriminations, but it's still prop. They they still get propaganda on their behalf from. University professors and university students and the D.C. Press Corps and the other cultural mavens, so many of the other cultural mavens in, the, in this country. And I just feel I mean, I, we were talking a little bit earlier in the show about uh, Hannah Arendt's uh, description of the banality of evil. I, I think, you know, as much as we focus on people with names and titles, there needs to be a little bit more direct, uh, a direct kind of confrontation with the hoi polloi because, as my, as I said, my, I don't, your ignorance doesn't absolve you, and it's dangerous, actually.
9: Yeah, I mean, well, that, this is the idea in political science of the useful idiot, right? Like the the majority of movements are made up of maybe five or six percent passionate resistance fighters. That's actually an old rule for guerrilla warfare. How many people right. you need to take over a population? And the rest are just people that sort of like the idea, that that like the flag, even when you think of the Symbionese Liberation Army, or even the the Libertarian Rattlesnake flag. They're just going along. They They don't know everything the movement adheres to or supports. And... At one, I, I guess I would agree, yeah, we should we should punish those people more. Like if the movement you're backing actually wants to dismantle black families or wants to kill and rape Jewish women, if you just say things like resistance is great, when someone points out what you've been supporting, yeah, you need to be very aware of that, very apologetic about that, so on down the line. Um, I, I think another deeper point here, though, is that when actual leftist radicals say what they think, just as with neo-Nazis and all that, we should believe them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a term that's, key, that's consistently come up through all of this Free Palestine stuff is decolonization, land reclamation. What people mean when they say decolonize is kill, well, take back X amount of land from all the people that weren't there originally. And in the United States, I mean, this would be everyone who's not Native American Indian, white, middle-class, black community, I don't see any reason Caucasian, Hispanics would be spared. So a lot of these things that we've gotten used to hearing Asians kind of conventionally, are crazy, radical ideas. And people need to start recognizing that. Like, this is stuff that's as extreme as anything on the furthest reaches of the right. But we've spent the past couple of decades just mainstreaming it on college campuses. Complete clowns, like Ibram Kendi, will say, well, we need a department of anti-racism that can wreck any business at will. And people will just nod along and sort of think of this almost in mascot terms. Like, he doesn't mean that. When you see people waving Hamas flags, it might be a good time to recognize, no, no, they meant all that stuff. They really don't like Jews by this point on the campus.
0: right. when you have yeah when you have people saying i mean right, they are explicitly saying, kill, and, and the response is, they don't mean that. I, you wrote a piece on Thomas Sowell, um, uh who' the the person you uh, most want to meet um, I, I and I, I agree with you, I'm in the same camp. Uh, But I I just go back. I keep going back to this uh, Thomas Sowell interview with Peter Robinson uh, uh, on the occasion of promoting his latest book, Social Justice Fallacies, where he was asked straight away if uh, the social justice warriors sort of writ large got everything they wanted, what would be happening in America. And Thomas Sowell said succinctly, uh, we'd be killing each other. And um, and, and I think it's closer than – the threat is closer than people – appreciate
6: yeah
9: I mean I think that throughout the past 150 years we I don't know how close it is in America but I mean throughout the past 150 years we've seen a lot of violent left-wing revolutions and a few violent right-wing revolutions as well they were almost all pretty unexpected they almost all took place within a span of about 10 years you know the great leap forward the Cultural Revolution the Nazis who are the National Socialist Party as the saying goes so on down the line um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen here. But the it's important to realize that the major ideas on the far left are worse than the major ideas on the most extreme right. Like the actual idea of decolonization would involve killing really large numbers of people. Like getting to total equity, which means equal representation of every ethnic group and both sexes across everything. Like, that would require taking tens of trillions of dollars in wealth from different people, from the rich, from white, so on down the line. So actually trying that stuff, reparations, very possibly could provoke a war. Like, how I would mean, how Mexican-Americans react to some of that? So I think as regular taxpayers, we have to look at this and not just smile and say, oh, those college kids again. You have to think, no, these are pretty serious ideas. Like, these organizations issuing these pro-Hamas statements are at Harvard. It's the 34 leading student organizations at Harvard. What's going to happen when they get out of Harvard? What do Harvard grads usually end up doing?
0: Yeah, I mean Julius Malema. We've talked about him on the show, show before. I mean he's leading a stadium full of people in South Africa, Marxist party head in South Africa, uh, chanting "Kill the whitey, kill the farmer." Julius Malema would be welcomed, paid to speak at uh, every Ivy League school, at Northwestern, at Stanford, every elite school, just about. If he wanted to,
9: yeah, I mean the the song "Kill the Boer, Kill the Farmer" it's almost catchy actually. But yeah, I mean so the South <laughs> African whip uh, Radical Party their song is an old song from South Africa's race wars called "Kill the Boer" and it means exactly what you think it does. It means kill the white guy with a gun on the other side of the battlements, um, and it's been adopted as a party song. And the reason that you're mentioning this and the reason this is notable is that people keep saying this doesn't matter. Like, it's some kind of edgy black metaphor that people aren't getting. Like, what kill the Boer actually means is resistance against a white-dominated state. And it's like, well, no, no, the black guys won the war. Like, they're in charge. It's been a black country, black-led country, country for 25 years. No, they're just saying kill the white people. So I think that there's a lot of this kind of intentional delusion. When, when you listen to mainstream liberals talking about the left, and you hear these crazy comments like, no, Hamas wouldn't rape anyone. Like... I do think there's a lot of intentional, necessary delusion. Like it's important that we believe this; otherwise, we might recognize who our allies are. And yeah. we've seen this stateside, not just to mock the the South Africans. I mean, the Sydney University rally in support of Palestine. The chant was "gas the Jews." Right. So I mean, like you, you could hear it with like an upper class Aussie accent fifty times, and it was. This was not a majority Arab rally in Australia. This was white, some black. I mean, they were just chanting, gas the Jews. It was unbelievable to watch. But when when 50,000 people say, gas the Jews, or kill the whites, or hang the blacks, or whatever, it's a good idea to assume, oh, they mean what they're saying, and to pay some attention to that, as opposed to focusing on grandmothers who walked around outside the Capitol on January 6th, or any of the other things, the eco-terrorists, the stuff that we're being told are the threats to our society, I suspect are less dangerous than the gas the Jews crowd of 50,000.
0: Yeah, I'd stipulate to that. Will Riley, associate professor of poli-sci at Kentucky State University, author of Hate Crime Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War, as well as Taboo, he just mentioned. Will, thanks as always. Appreciate it.
2: Glad to be on. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line.
0: Connect with Dan
1: and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.
0: Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank.